Hello and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. Today I will talk with Russell Delman. For the past 50 years, Russell Delman has been exploring human potential and guiding people and businesses in maximizing their contributions to the world. His unique background is focused on self-awareness as the key to creative leadership. Through a dedicated practice of Zen meditation, the Feldenkrais method of body awareness, various systems for, for enhancing communication and deep approach to self-inquiry called focusing, he has created a truly integrated program called the Embodied Life. So I'm excited to be with Russell Delman. So stay with us. Russell, it's great to be here with you. Mm, yes, thank you. Uh, I want to introduce uh, my connection to Russell, and then we'll, uh, we'll be inspiring to hear you. So I met Russell actually, I think, three years ago, when a colleague of mine told me about uh, Russell, uh, the embodied life school that he has. Probably it wasn't my time to be there yet. I think after a few years, I decided to participate in a retreat, in a three-day retreat that Russell facilitates worldwide, but I came to Germany. And I enjoyed it, but I'm not sure the enjoyment is the accurate word because it was really challenging for me to be present for three days. Although I was practicing meditation like more than 15 years, but still the intense intensity of being three days embodied in the here and now was challenging. And then I heard that he opens a um, mentorship program of three years, twice a year to come for all week for a retreat. And I felt something inside of me felt that this is what I need to do, especially when I was uh, looking at Russell and the way he acts in life from as I experienced it is from a flow state of mind and really being present and something resonated within me and I decided to take the challenge. To be honest, I didn't think I would finish the three years, if I can be honest, <laughs> but life was surprising and I did almost because of the coronavirus, we didn't have the chance to last retreat, but we hopefully will have it in February. This is my experience with Russell, and I remember when I started the, the program, and I also asked Russell a lot about it, what was interesting for me the most is what the, the embodied aspect of this program, because I always believe and live like this, that I need to be connected to my sensation and my uh, feelings, but I didn't really quite understand why is the body so important, okay, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the need to be grounded. To be honest, now I do understand, but when I came, I something didn't connect. I didn't understand why it's really important, the body aspect, although I knew in my mind, but I didn't feel it in my body. Uh, so it's really interesting for me, Russell, to hear from you about your, a little bit, if you can elaborate about your embodied life program and school and talk about the embodiment aspect. Yeah. You see. Yeah. Great. So this strange word embodiment, a relatively new word, and it's hard to translate into other languages, which I think is good. So it leaves people a little uncertain. What does that really mean? What I think is really important is the connection between embodiment and presence. And what I mean by that is we are taught in our cultures the great value of thinking. And thinking, of course, is one of the great gifts of humanity, our ability to hold 
things in our mind, imagine different futures, uh, calculate, all of that are key functions of human beings. But for most of us, my experience is we've gotten so dominated by that particular left brain type thinking that we've lost a big part of our, what I could call our wisdom, our access to inner knowing, our more consistent access to intuitions about what is needed in a given situation, which is key for leadership. Mm -hmm. It's key for people who want to be able to handle everyday functions, but also have the big picture. So what I came to see a lot through my own, actually quite early in my life, I realized I was lost in my head most of the time. When I started to become aware of myself, and there's a whole long story about that, which we don't need here. As I started to become aware of myself, I realized that 99% of the time I was talking to myself, the internal dialogue, I became conscious of it. And I was, I was functioning well. I was doing well as a university student. I was successful in relationships. And all the hallmarks of a person who's on a good path uh, were there. But in my own awareness, I realized, oh, I'm so often giving just a very small portion of myself to the present moment. And the rest of me is going about the past and the future. And what came to me, and this was one of the great gifts of my life, that if I could be more in my body while I was thinking, or more in my body while I was relating to people, I was more present. It was like my body was a magnet to be in the present moment. And then that became the realization that when I'm in the present moment, this elusive quality that is so central to both happiness and success, this, the elusive quality of presence, what does it take to be to have a presence that people can feel and that one can feel grounded in themselves, especially in challenging moments, but also to enjoy the wonderful moments. So that became my direction. How do I get more present? Well, my body is a doorway. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the embodied life teaching. It's like I heard that the body is like our vehicle between our mind and our emotions, right? Something right, like right. Good, really important point. What I notice after working, you know, I've been doing this for 50 years. <laughs> what I notice about um, most people, there are people who are very strong thinkers and their emotions are more in the background. And then there are people who are very strong feelers. They live a lot in their emotions and their thinking is more in the background. These two people generally get married and have a hard time talking to each other. Uh -huh. right? <laughs> but the missing link for both of these people is that if they can come down into their body, literally, and it's not esoteric, it's I feel my bottom on the chair right now. And maybe people listening, can you come out of your thoughts and feel your bottom on the chair, your right foot on the floor or wherever it is, your left foot. What I began to see was, and this, I have a lot of examples of this from private practice and from retreats, that when dominant thinkers drop down into their body, they also get more in touch with their feelings. 
And that's critical. So you have a, a human being who is a thinker, a feeler, and embodied. That's a more whole human being. And the, the people who are predominant feelers, when they could settle down into their body, they were able to have more reflection, less dominated by their emotions, and be able to step back mm-hmm. and go, oh, okay, I'm not going to be, I don't have to react to this emotional up, anger or sadness. I, I can observe it because I'm more grounded in myself. So I began to see the missing link for most people was to drop into their bodies, get in touch with themselves and their environment, and then see what, what's, what's needed in this situation. And that is the ground for effect, effective functioning, in my opinion. I understand what you're saying, but you know, I'm thinking also from where I came, uh, working with leaders in organization, you know, they don't really have time now for being embodied. They need to have this, make decisions, go quickly, uh, solve problems. How do you guide people, uh, leaders on executive, in their contribution to the world, helping them to bring themselves fully um, by these practices? Do they cooperate with this aspect of the embodiment? Do they, are they cynical about it? Do they think it's a waste of time? You know, people, really, I am talking from my experience, sometimes when people are so disconnected from this practice, they really feel it's a waste of time. We don't have no time to sit and be present. Let me do what I need to do. It's- yes, yeah, it's true. It's, it's a really important question, Karen. It's, we live in a culture that is based in speed and results and what's happening right now, what you can do for me next week and tomorrow and all like this, the the large view is difficult in most uh, structures, most uh, business structures. It's one of the great challenges that uh, leaders face. What I have found is when not all, but the most leaders that I work with, when they get a sense, and it doesn't take long, when they get a sense that their way of functioning has been giving them a certain success in a narrow way, that they are giving up the long-term picture of where they're going, they're giving up access to some easier ways of getting to where they want to go. And they're also giving up a, a sense of being in harmony with their, where their personal life is in harmony with their business life. Mm-hmm. And often they feel this great separation between who I am as a person, a father, a husband, a, a wife, a, a um, person who loves things like, and the person at business. And I think going forward, and I think this is going to be a potential gift of COVID, is people are going to be looking, both the the leaders and the people working for them, are going to be looking for more complete, holistic lives, where there's the values are shifting a little bit. And I think this is a big moment for realizing that, oh, I can be very effective and timely in business, and I can take a little bit more time to breathe. I can take a little bit more time to let the 
softer voices in the background, which is the way intuition speaks. It doesn't usually come the way our pum 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 critical thinking comes. I can allow more time for this. And this was actually the beginning. It's not my insight alone. When businesses started doing years ago, some retreats together and some, let's step out of our normal framework, our normal time. And that's often when they would get their new mission statements or their new, oh, this is what we're doing. And to bring that big view into a daily functioning, that that is not lost for the twice a year that you go on retreat. It's Mm -hmm. part of you every day. Doesn't have to compromise the parts of you that are linear and faster. They learn to work in combination. This is integrated thinking, holistic thinking, and it is essential more than ever because of the complexity and speed of modern life. I agree with you. I think also the COVID in one of my lectures, one of the participants asked me, what do I think the leaders need to learn nowadays from the COVID-19 pandemic? And I told them, I think to pause, this is what we need to learn right now, to really pause and listen and to accurate our way and to fine tune our offering and our doing in order really to be in the right place. We don't know how to do it. We're really going on autopilot if something doesn't work well, so we try to do it aggressively. Also, if it's not the right direction, it doesn't matter. Let's put more, te- more effort, more time. We can see that we are wasting a lot of energy and time in not the right way. And instead of really pausing, it's kind of a paradoxical thing, right? Because sometimes when you pause and you go to nature for 10 minutes, or even when I, be honest, when I come to the retreat for one week and you can say it's a, lost, it's a waste of time, right? I have clients, I need to work, I need to deliver. But when I'm coming back, I feel much more grounded and things are really happening. It's like an opening it's beyond my doing, so. Yeah. yeah, you know, Karen, it's so interesting. When I work with athletes and we, the, the language of being in the zone, And when they're in the zone, when they're not in the zone, they're working really hard and they're pushing and they push harder and things don't come easily. When we cultivate the the embodied state, which brings the zone much more frequently, they feel like I can do the same thing with less effort. In fact, I see much more of the court or the field and I'm not trying to see it. It's Mm -hmm. there. And that's a, a certain kind of consciousness that can be developed. It's a certain kind of ne- neurological state. These are, these are, when I say consciousness, I mean, these are neural networks that can become dominant through practice. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is part of the practice. But as, as you know, what I like to talk about is mindfulness, heartfulness, because we need connection to our feelings. And this is really good neurological research that when one tries to make decisions separate from their feeling life, they are poor decisions. That integrating, well, what's my gut sense of that? Plus, what are the logistics of it, the logic of it? So we want mindfulness, we want heartfulness, we also want bodyfulness. And that's a crazy word. That is the same as embodied. We want to bring these three elements of the human being, and actually these three levels of the brain into harmony, so that we are functioning in an integrated way much more often. That way our efforts tend to be more 
more successful, you get more, more result from less push. I call it minimum effort and maximum results, right? Because we really are in the right, in the zone, actually. Exactly. And that's so key, especially modern business. There's so much information coming and being processed and new things. I don't, I mean, most uh, CEOs, most directors of companies, they're inundated with all of this. And then they, they have to give direction and to be wise, to, to be a wise leader to me, is synonymous with being integrated, having access to the different ways of knowing that come from your body, from your heart, and from your thinking. You know, when you spoke, it reminded me that after the first retreat I participated for the three days, there was kind of clarity that it was amazing. I saw my vision really mm. clear. It was, wow, I didn't experience it before. Amazing that only after three days of being in the moment and practicing, it came to me this clear vision. So this is what you're talking about. You know, I, I agree with you because this is what I believe in. And really, I know that when we are more mindful and for me, mindfulness, you know, it's kind of a buzzword, but it's much more wider. It's connecting to our sensation, to our emotion, to the here and now. Right. Also, without letting it manage us, because as you said, we have intuition, but I think it's important to acknowledge that sometimes our intuition doesn't mean with, that we need to act upon it. Sometimes we need to stop, pause, and reflect upon it, because sometimes it's automatic uh, emotions of fear to go on the direction that we need to go, because it, it is out of our comfort zone, and then we go and develop. This is versus the option that say fear that kind of a sign that uh, a red sign and say stop it's not a good path for you i think it's really important to acknowledge that the intuition doesn't say okay this is the intuition tells you you need to go blindly afterward no you need to stop and reflect what does it mean what is it want to tell you in order to make the right decision right yeah yeah i i have in my intuition in my uh listening internally which is really a daily process i i get as often i get no don't do that as i get this is the way and they're equally valued and i want all of that i i want sometimes something looks oh that would be a great direction and when i go inside and get in touch at a deeper level i said i don't even know why but i'm getting a clear no uh-huh. and, right and so we want to learn how wisdom speaks and again for me i use the term wisdom not loosely I, i use it as an integration of being present what's coming in my body what's coming in my feelings and what's coming in my thinking all working together so that integration is how what i call the wisdom body speaks it comes out of wholeness what do you think from your experience that is the most challenging thing for leaders and individuals nowadays in the yeah. coronavirus? Yeah, I think we have touched on it, which is the demands of the amount of information that's coming in and the speed of functioning, that as things get faster and we notice things happening, It accelerates our, our bodies, actually. Our adrenal glands get overactive, and we feel like, oh, my God, our anxiety levels increase as we go, I've got to stay ahead of the curve. What am I going to do? There's so much going on. So, so that is a huge something for all leaders. 
The second is how to balance the important things. Well, the, the way I like to say it, actually, I think this was, um, I forget who I got this from. It's not mine originally. Don't let the urgent overwhelm the important. And what mm-hmm. that means is there's always fires to be put out. Every day you can look at my to-do list and go, okay, this needs this, this, this. And as I said before, it's so easy to, to lose sight of the big picture, to lose sight of what's really most important that we are accomplishing today. So when I'm guiding somebody who's a leader, I will give them practices, both for getting embodied, but also to start the day connected to their larger vision, as well as the urgent things that need to be done today. Mm -hmm. And then to end the day looking at, did these things that I do, were they contributing to the larger vision? Were they pulling me away? So that there's a, a consistent influx of memory of what am I really doing? And for the ones who really take it up, I include, has my work today taken away from loving relationships in my family? Now that, of course, some days I can't be, I got to work 18 hours. So it's not that I have to get rid of that. But if I find that this is going on for a long time, I don't get surprised when my family feels distant from me. I, I'm staying present to it. I'm mm-hmm. staying present so the people I'm guiding get to make decisions much sooner rather than months later when things have gotten lost in their personal life. Rasi, actually, you, you gave kind of a tip, but you have a, a practical. <laughs> a yeah. practical. I know that you don't like this word, but do you have a I practical? Love, you're wrong. I love the practical. You think I don't like it? My whole... Teachings are about practices that one can do to take the theory and embody it. So I, I love practice. I was joking. I know. <laughs> It's one of our jokes. Yeah. So, so the first key practice, that the first two key practices that are so alarmingly simple that everyone likes to discount them and go, okay, give me the real stuff. But really, 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 these work is learning to first, as you said already, pause, to build a pause into your natural rhythm. And you can use this by an iPhone going off every half hour and literally devoting 30 seconds to a minute. That's all it takes. And what do you do during the pause? You ground. Ground is not esoteric. I feel my butt on the seat, my feet on the floor. I am here. Then all the thoughts come. Yeah, but I got to do this. I got to do that. I, gotta, I am here. And you keep reminding yourself, I, for this 30 seconds, I'm in this body. I'm here. Everything else are my thoughts. I'm here. And then three breaths from beginning to end. So you can close your eyes. I'm sitting in this chair. Doesn't mean all your thoughts stop. It means they're in the background. It's chatter. It's like the radio is on. But I'm going to feel three breaths from beginning to end. Let's do that right now. Okay. When that's complete, slowly open the eyes and take another maybe 10 seconds. You feel the ground. You look at your environment, not your to-do list. Are there colors, shapes? You get 
just with the facts of the moment, outside of your what you have to do, your accomplishments, you step off the train of doing, of thinking, of producing, and you have an oasis. And it, once you do it, you might need to begin with a minute. And then if that feels like too much, you can take 30 seconds. But if you do that consistently, your nervous system begins to adapt to where it looks for the pause and it becomes more natural in everyday life. Thank you, Rasha. So it's actually, you can, when I work with leaders, I tell them you can pause. It can be even for two or three minutes, you know, between meetings, between home and work yeah. to take the few minutes to refresh your thoughts and come. Yeah. You, it's actually you wrote, yeah? Come refresh, right? To the yeah. new situation. Right. Right. I, I'll, I'll yeah, I'm implementing. I'm implementing. You're good. You're good. I'll tell you one of the the secrets that um, people find funny, but is really important in modern business. Go to the bathroom often, even when you don't have to. Go into the stall, sit down, and just let the sigh come. Uh-huh. We are in public spaces so much. And many offices now, there's very little private time. And we have our brains are organized differently in public spaces and private spaces. And we need the refreshment of not being seen, of feeling that I don't have to be something for anybody. And even having that for a minute changes your nervous system. That's and right. It sounds funny, but it's really important. To be honest, I'm doing it, and I give another tip that I'm doing when I'm sitting in a coffee shop between meetings. I put sunglasses and meditate for a few minutes. <laughs> there you go. These are these are skills that modern people need, you know. <laughs> Along the years, it was really inspiring as always to hear you and um, be in your presence. Do you want to say something to to conclude? I'm grateful to you for for inviting me, but I'm also grateful that. You had the intuition some years ago that there would be something good to add to the skills that you already have and to, to create more balance. And I see that coming in you. And it's, a, it's great that you can model that and then bring that further into the world. So that for me, I think, you know, this is part of my mission in life is that if, if we can change one person at a time, but if, if a company gets a different kind of leadership that radiates out it's like you know in in i work with teams a lot so sports teams you know when when there's an organ when there's a coach who has the respect and has a certain kind of presence where they're not fiery like this you know like that but but the, but but they're trustworthy because they listen well and they they really look like i am here to take you in, to respect you, and to lead you. When that's there, companies thrive, and individuals, their lives thrive. And that's what the world needs, in my opinion. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. This was Russell Delman. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and you're already feeling more embodied in your body only from listening to the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to the podcast and hope you will join us for our next conversation. Take care and bye-bye.